With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to RF Sports Radio. This is your host, Rodney Fisher. I'll be joined, of course, by my co-host, my partner in sports, Mr. Royce Fisher. will be joining me here uh, shortly. Again, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can always find us online by going to rfsportsradio.com or following us on Twitter at twitter.com slash RF Sports Radio. Without further ado, let's get our show started. Let me bring on my co-host, Mr. Royce Fisher. Royce, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing fine, Rodney. Good afternoon, and how are you? And I'm glad to be on our second annual NFL Draft Show tonight. Looking forward to it. That's right. That's right. Tonight we're going to talk about the NFL Draft. I put up a mock draft uh, this morning, and I'm getting a lot of reaction towards that. <laughs> we'll talk about my mock draft. I get your top ten as well, Royce. We'll debate some of the key players in the draft and what teams need to do. We're also going to touch a little bit on some of the top stories in sports as they hit the wire tonight. A lot of stuff to talk about from Meta World Peace or NWP, as people like to call them. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs as they are fast approaching here to start this Sunday, this Saturday, rather. And uh, we'll talk about your trip to Chicago. I think you had a good trip. I think you should tell all the fans and listeners about that trip, too. Yeah, Rodney, it was a great trip. I I got to see uh, Scotty Pippen. Uh, Bill Wellington, and, of course, the famous Michael Jordan statue. We'd like to put that on the website. Yeah, you did get a chance to do that. So tell us a little bit about the trip, and then you get down there, you go to the Maverick game, of course, to cover the Mavericks. So give us a whole kind of synopsis of what the trip was about, since I didn't get a chance to get there myself. Well, right now, of course, now the Mavs lost, and it happened to be cold in Chicago, about 40 degrees, typical Chicago weather. Uh, I had a great trip, got down, talked to the guys before the game. Uh, they really wanted to win this game. Of course, now, they had some starters that didn't play. Kidd didn't play, and Sean Marion didn't play. And uh, one serious moment in the game was when Roddy dislocated his finger, man, and had to go out. Uh, uh, they popped it back in place. He came back out and finished the game. Uh, they only scored eight points in the first quarter. They were down 21-8. They did battle back and uh, managed to make the the game close. They took a lead at one point in the third quarter, but uh, they they lost the game. And Carlisle really really wanted to win this game, you know, just to get the guys' confidence up. But uh, unfortunately, they lost, and here we are in this situation. They're going to Atlanta on Thursday, and uh, that it would be nice to win. I, I don't think uh, I think he's going to sit a lot of players. But a nice trip overall. Uh, the guys were glad we were there to support them, and I kind of enjoyed that. But uh, Chicago is a totally different city. Yeah, speaking of which, you did not come back empty-handed. You did get a chance to get some audio from uh, Coach Rick Carlisle after the Bulls game. And he has some interesting stuff to say about not just the team, but also what they have to do going forward, getting ready to try to make another playoff run as defending 
NBA champion. So this is uh, this is Coach Rick Carlisle following the Bulls uh, Bulls game this past week. I thought I thought it was great that he uh, was able to basically get a dislocated finger, pop back in, get it taped up, and then he was ready to go again. And uh, that was big for us. And it's you know, last night didn't have a didn't have a great outing. Um, tonight he bounced back against one of the tougher, physical, more physical teams in the league. And uh, I thought after you know a just kind of slow start, did just did a great job after that. So uh, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Really pleased with it. Talk about the team that was great. Got the strong eight points there in the first quarter. Yeah, very, you know, uh, tough team to get shots against. Uh, tough team to put the ball in the basket against. And, uh, you know, the slow start, uh, it didn't deter our enthusiasm. Um, we kept coming. We kept defending. We kept rebounding. And uh, we finally got uh, got going in the second quarter and, and made, a, made a really good run. And, we got the lead in the fourth or third or fourth, I forget which which it was, and uh, you know we were right there. So you know, I, I love the way we uh, battled back from some some real adversity early, and uh, you know come playoff time, that's the kind of stuff we're going to see a lot. You know we're going to see a lot of tough situations. We're going to have to meet them face to face. Yeah, we'll stop that out there real quick. But Jerry Rick Carlisle, if you could make out what he was saying, talking specifically about his team having to battle back against a. A team that really prides themselves on, on defense. That's something they're going to have to do, especially in the postseason. We spent a lot of time last Thursday on the podcast uh, talking about the Mavericks and their chances upcoming for the NBA playoffs. From what you saw, they're going against one of the best defensive teams out there. Did you did it? Did you see anything that maybe gave you even more hope that you know what? Maybe they have a chance in this this particular uh, playoffs to make another deep run. Uh, and, of course, talk a little bit about Rodney Boubois and his toughness in coming back. Well, Rodney, I, I'm like uh, most other Mavericks fans were concerned about their play. Uh, like I say, they were down 8-21 to in the first quarter. And, uh, you know, Chicago is one of the best rebounding teams in the league, also one of the best defensive teams in the league. Of course, they gave him a good battle, but it was kind of hard to put my finger on that without the starters in there, uh, Kidd and Sean Marion playing. Uh, Jason Terry didn't play either. He played it just a little bit. But uh, it was kind of hard to put my finger on it. They have a lot of work to do. They do have a couple of days off to do that. But they, there's a lot of things they need to correct. Yeah, a lot of things I do need to fix. I mean, I think you're absolutely correct. And we apologize for the audio difficulties. We'll get that fixed here in just a second. Real quick, though, before we jump into the NFL draft and go through top players, also some of our mock draft predictions as well, which, of course, starts on Thursday, let's just talk a little bit about what else is going on in the world of sports. So a lot of stuff is going on. This past Sunday, I had a great opportunity, Royce, to sit back and watch some NBA action, some other teams. Looking forward to watching this. Lakers versus uh, Thunder matchup. Great game, by the way. Uh, and before we get to what really happened, the, the big story from that game, I want to talk a little bit about what happened at the end with Kobe Bryant basically taking over the game at the end of the fourth quarter and through both overtimes. And for a guy his age to play like that, you got to take your hat off to him. I mean, I know you're not the biggest Kobe Bryant fan. I know you think he lied what he does is, too much trying to emulate Michael Jordan. But from what you saw, 
all the years you've seen NBA action, you had to be impressed by the way he kept his poise and, and made that team, you know, will them to a win. No Andrew Bynum on the court, and he did it by himself. Uh, Riley, I'm gonna agree agree with you tonight because I think Jordan did a. I mean, I'm sorry. I think yeah, uh, Kobe right. did a great job. <laughs> you know, we were compared <laughs> to, to Jordan, but uh, and then coming from Chicago, let me get this right. But I think Kobe did a great job. Uh, typical Kobe, and you're right. He did take over the game late. Uh, it could have went either way. Kevin Durant took a lot of shots. Unfortunately, they didn't fall. But, uh, you know, it couldn't win either way. Uh, it was a battle between Kobe and Durant, and Kobe won that battle. Uh, you know, we, t- we talked about Westbrook taking too many shots. I did see that. And I think they kind of got in his head a little bit. He wanted to be the hero, but, of course, Kobe upstayed them because they were playing in L.A., and Kobe's not going to let anybody come in his house and upstage him. I think another big takeaway from that game, too, you have to, you know, look on the on the uh, Thunder side of the ball. And the fact that Westbrook kept shooting the ball, kept trying to drive to the lane, not conceding it and giving it over to his superstar player, Kevin Durant, who, of course, is the MVP candidate, I was really bothered by that. I know he does it quite often, but in that game especially, you give it to the guy that, that needs to be taking the last shot, which is Kevin Durant. Even though I know he know missed a lot of shots during that time period, I'd much rather see him miss the shot than Russell Westbrook trying to make something happen. Oh, of course. Uh, and and the funny thing about it, they were the only two guys shooting the ball. It's it's like three other guys weren't even there. I didn't pass an inside. They just both either one take a shot or the other take a shot. Uh, I think they could have played a little bit better. But like I said, they were both trying to win the game. Uh, Kobe was, wasn't going to let that happen, <laughs> and uh, L.A. wasn't going to let that happen. But uh, I thought they could have done a lot better. And if, if this is what we're getting from Oklahoma City, I would love to see the Mavericks play them in the first round. Yeah, I think so, too. It, it made me feel a little bit better about the Mavericks' chances if they play Oklahoma City in the uh, first round. We'll talk more about that, of course, on uh, Thursday when we kind of preview the NBA playoffs right before they start. We're actually going to do that show on Friday night, and we're going to have a special guest on the show. Derek Page from HoopsWorld.com has committed to join us on Friday to talk about the NBA playoffs and the picture before it comes up. So don't miss our NBA uh, playoff preview. Uh, They're going to be taping on Friday. And, of course, you can always download that on iTunes by searching for RF Sports Radio or going to our website, www.rfsportsradio.com. Dot com to find that out. Now, before we move on, the big story from that game, of course, has to be MWP or Meta World Peace. Uh, the the player formerly known as Ron Artest, in his celebration after getting a dunk on Kevin Durant, comes down the court, big elbow against uh, James back at James Harden's head, puts him out, gives him a concussion. Harden cannot return, has still not returned, and not clear to play yet for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it looks like the Lakers are going to feel the brunt of his actions as well, too, because now he's facing a seven-game ban that came down today, which took a while for the NBA to really decide what they wanted to do, at least David Stern to decide what he wanted to do. I was really thinking something like five games maybe, but seven games, I was, you know, 
I know the crime fits the uh, the punishment fits the crime, but he had to take into account what he's done before in the past to give him a suspension for seven games. That's a pretty long time when you got the playoffs getting ready to start. I, I thought it should have been a lot worse right now. I thought he should have been suspended the rest of the season. I mean, I, well, I, I, mean, I watched the game is. just seven like games is basically the rest of the season and the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, well, you know, this is not Ron Tess first uh, dance at the rodeo, but uh, I, I, I was watching the game. You and I were both watching the game. As one of the most classless acts that I've seen ever in NBA. And I know guys throw elbows. I know how that works. But he said it was unintentionally, but I don't believe that whatsoever because I think he did that intentionally. Uh, the dirty play, uh, it could have really severely hurt the guy. Um, for, uh, he was, came out to be okay. He still had the concussion. But uh, I, I thought it was a really dirty play. I thought it should have been more severe. More severe like what? Like what, what could be more severe than seven games? I mean, the, the rest of this season and maybe five games next year. Wow. You said the whole entire playoffs? Well, he's been suspended a lot worse. Was it like 40 games or almost a whole season? That was I a mean, totally different not his first situation. Defense. He actually went in the stands and right. got into it with fans at that time. This was on the court. This is one elbow, okay. not a bunch of punches being thrown. Yeah, but this is not his first offense. And I think the more offense you have, the more severe the punishment should be. I, you know what though, if you look, if you think about it on the on the grander scale, the grander scheme well, of last, things. You remember last year he had butted JJ Barrett in the playoffs. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I mean, I'm not saying he's uh he's not a borderline dirty player. I mean, he, he's had some very very dirty plays in his past in his NBA career. But my question is this: even if you get accused or committed of a crime in the court of law. You can't hold it against someone when you go to sentence them again. And I think David Stern did exactly like you said, look back on what he's done and what he's done before in the past and said, you know what, I'm going to give him a seven-game suspension, which really hurts the Lakers because now they're going to miss him for the entire first round. If they make it out the first round, ironically, he's going to come back to play the Oklahoma City Thunder. And you know it, it, that that's a big that's a big blow for a team that needs all of its players, especially him. They don't have a deep bench. Seven games is a pretty big one. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with the seven game ban. I just think that five games I think would have been adequate. I think they'll go ahead and appeal the seven game suspension and get it reduced to five. Well, I, I equate it like this: he's a repeat offender. Uh, just like somebody getting a DWI, how many chances do you give him? Or how much time do you give him off or take his license before you give it back to him? I think the, the more times he gets caught doing something, the more severe the crime. But, uh, you know, we've interviewed Ron Artest. He's really a, a complex person. He's difficult to talk to. Uh, last time he was here in Dallas, we saw him have an attitude. <laughs> He spilled a drink all over himself. I mean, the guy is just—he's a ticking time bomb. And, and I think if they don't do anything about that, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And you know what's so funny? He won an award last year for like what uh, citizenship or something, NBA. 
Yeah, he did win some type of some type of citizenship award last year. And and to come from that last year to what he's done this year, but like I say, he's a repeat offender. He's a ticking time bomb. Uh, seven games is adequate. I thought it should have been more severe, you know, because he is a repeat offender. Yeah, well, seven games is pretty severe. And, and, again, he is a repeat offender, so I guess I have to go with David Stern and what the NBA says they need to do. Now, also last Thursday we talked a lot about the Texas Rangers and their hot star. They did lose yesterday, but tonight you dogs in this third game basically pitches a shutout game all the way up until the ninth inning, had six hits, gave up six hits to the Yankees, but also had ten strikeouts as well, too. You Darvish is is the real deal. I mean, I think there's no doubt about that. But ten strikeouts in your first game against a Yankees franchise, I think that's a huge accomplishment for him and the Rangers organization. And great performance tonight, Rodney. He really is making a name for himself. Uh, I, I thought he did great. Uh, of course, now that balances out the Rangers organization because we were worried about pitching going into this season. When they went and got Darvis, you know, everybody questioned him because we really didn't know can he, you know, pitch in the, uh, this league, National League, and uh, he's done a great job. I mean, uh, they're a complete team, and I, I love, I'm happy to see him beat the Yankees. Yeah, I know. I think we're all happy about that, especially if you're a Texas Rangers fan. Before we jump into the NFL draft, of course, real quick, we want to remind everyone that you can – Download our podcast on iTunes by going to iTunes and searching for RF Sports Radio. If you need more help with that, go to our website, rfsportsradio.com. And, again, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. If you would like to have the show on your website, that's a possibility as well, too. All you have to do is send us an email at rfsportsradio at gmail.com, and we can get your show and get you loaded up to where you can actually have our show appear on your website, which is a pretty neat deal. Something that we have and we could do exclusively here at uh, RF Sports Radio. Before we jump into the draft real quick, Royce, we have to talk about a local guy that's in the news, of course, in the news for the wrong reasons, and that's uh, one Deion Sanders. Uh, now, you had a chance to kind of follow the story a little bit throughout the day. If you would, update everyone on kind of what's going on with Deion. We know that he was somewhat, I guess, Use his words, attacked yesterday by his uh, estranged wife he's trying to get a divorce from and her friend as well, too. Police were called in, and his uh, estranged, estranged wife was arrested, and now Dion's going on this little kind of stunt of, you know, on Twitter saying, saying that she attacked him and tried to jump him and the kids had to see it. So he's got his PR hat on as well, too. What have you heard about the story? Well, uh, from what I heard last night, I got a tweet, I like everybody else, of him uh, and his two boys filling out paperwork in the living room, and the caption said that they were signing, uh, filling out police reports because he had been attacked by a strange wife and a friend. Uh, she was arrested, of course, spent the night in jail, and today they brought in front of the cameras. Of course not. She came out with the tears. Uh the person with her was a female said she can't wait to get in court and talk about it. 
But, you know, domestic violence is always bad. I'm glad he didn't hit her back or didn't retaliate. Of course, now, she sustained a broken finger. I don't know how that happened. But, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to play your divorce or your life out in public. And, you know, they filed in December. They've been living up under the same roof. I thought that was pretty odd. It was bound to be something happened. If you're divorcing your wife or your spouse or your husband, and, and and y'all living up under the same roof, you know. But uh, somebody's going to go. Uh, she can't go home for sixty days. My understanding that's what the judge said. So uh, I, I hate to see it played out in a, in a court of public opinion, but that's how it is. But I thought he, you know, not retaliating, not fighting. You know, the kids were there, uh, and I heard that the police have been called out there several times before. Not the first time. I think five times previously. But uh, uh, it's unfortunate that it's playing out in the public eye. He supposedly is not a new man and a Christian, so um, maybe they can work this out. Yeah, hopefully they can. Hopefully they can. But appreciate that update, man. That's an interesting situation, man. That's that's They've been going back and forth for so long on social media right. and Right. And the blogs and everything, and now it seems like it's kind of coming to a head. So hopefully from here, maybe they can move on. But, again, that that remains to be seen as well, too. Let's jump to the NFL real quick, Royce. Before we get to the draft, I want to get your opinion on a hot story that is really kind of taking over, and this could be even bigger than the bounty uh, that the Saints have placed on them, of course, getting their head coach suspended along with GM. Well, it comes out from ESPN outside the lines investigation that the state and federal authorities have been alerted that the GM for the Saints, uh, Mickey Loomis, actually had a device in his suite during the 2002, uh, three, and four season that allowed him to listen to the opposition's head coaching staff, uh, old coaching staff on both the offense and the defense. First of all, whether this is true or not, do you think there's any clear-cut advantage from a GM listening to the play calling of an offensive coach or a defensive coach? None whatsoever. These plays are so complicated now that, uh, you know, these guys have to study them in a playbook. And for an owner to interpret that and turn around, (coughs) excuse me, I have kind of sinus cold tonight and turn around and relate that information to downstairs to a, a coach or a player, I, I think it's impossible. And uh, besides, you know, if anybody that watches foot, football, you can almost tell when they're going to pass the ball and run the ball. You just don't know who they're going to throw it to. I, it's kind of hard for me to believe. But having said that, what the New England Patriots did for that Keaton scandal, we never did get to see that tape. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, I don't know what's on it. They burned it. They destroyed it. Uh, so which one is the lesser offense? Well, you know, what's funny is that it's funny you bring that up because some people feel like what the Saints may have done, the GM may have done while, you know, listening to these actual coaches is, is worse than the tapes that the Patriots may have produced. But we don't know that because nobody ever saw the tapes. And, and they paid a fine. If he did it, let him pay the fine and move on. I mean, what are you going to do, hand him the death sentence like SMU got? 
But a lot of people argue that that's what they have done by suspending, you know, Sean Payton for the entire season and also taking away the GM and the assistant head coach. And right. It's almost well, like a death take, as well, yeah, too. It, yeah, you almost might as well just sit, shut down the whole organization, you know. You, and, know, I, uh, you know, I thought it was actually funny, too, is when I looked at the uh, – when I watched the actual specials outside the lines uh, put together about this accusation – I found it interesting that, you know, the, the reason why they stopped doing it was because of Hurricane Katrina when they right. had all the uh, people of New Orleans living in the Superdome. That's when apparently, you know, the malfunction or the lines were cut or they just did away with this whole device. But So it didn't help them during their Super Bowl year. And even during the season when it did help them, they didn't have a clear-cut advantage over competition oh, no. under no. Jim Haslett either. So. I don't know what a GM can really decipher from doing it. I think if he if he did do it, that's a whole nother kind of uh, 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 integrity question right there. But right. we know this guy's integrity is not of the highest caliber. I mean, he's the one that actually lied to the NFL organization, lied to Roger Goodell, tried to cover up this whole bounty thing from the get-go. So his integrity is pretty much in question anyway. So do I believe that it happened? I think it's possible. I think it's very possible that it did happen. What advantage they may have gotten from it, that that's debatable. Yeah, and, and like I said, I don't think it, it was much as – I don't think it was any advantage. These uh, plays are so complicated. You know, you call a slip, uh, slot right, 38, you know, flicker or whatever, and nobody knows what that means, <laughs> especially the other team. And, and then to get that information down, stirs to a coach or a player, man, that's, that's, you know, it's impossible to do. I, I think they had no advantage if it happened, and I think if if, if they did, they should get fined. Yeah, they, they definitely should face some type of penalty or some type of fine as well, too. And, you know, every time we talk about the Saints and the troubles they're going through, I always ask you what Drew Brees may be thinking. Now, he has yet to sign his deal, and I keep telling you, you need to start reading the writing on the wall when it comes to Drew Brees, you know, he hasn't signed a deal yet. He has his head coach suspended, the GM suspended. He's got, uh, the, you know, the defense coordinator that he, you know, worked with his team the last couple of years has been out of the league indefinitely. He doesn't have an assistant head coach. And now the GM is getting involved in this other scandal going on. The, the owner buys the, the New Orleans Hornets before he signs Drew Brees. So he's got the money, but doesn't want to pay Drew Brees the money. It's time to start reading the writing on the wall when it comes to Drew Brees. I don't think he's going to report to camp until he gets a deal. He said that already, and now all this other stuff is happening. Uh, he'll get a deal done. Uh, I do believe he will be in New Orleans. And if you think about it, the team now belongs to Drew Brees. It's his team now. He can basically do anything he wants. So He's in a great position if he does sign. The team would be basically his for the whole season. So yeah, it's they're really not a bad position to be in. Yeah, it's not a bad position to be in, but now they got to get them signed. And that, that's that's the bad position that it puts not just the Saints in, but the whole city of New Orleans because Drew Brees is a pillar of that community, number one, and he's a, he's really a part of everything the Saints are doing in the community right now as well, too. Let's go ahead and get into the NFL draft real fast and talk a little bit about that. Of course, we got the whole uh, the mock draft I put up on the website coming up. 
And, Royce, I'm going to get your top ten as well, too. Before we get into the whole first round of top ten, let's talk about the top two picks. I think we both agree that Andrew Luck is going to go number one to the Indianapolis Colts and also RG3 will go number two to the Washington Redskins. In your opinion, we haven't talked about this yet, which one is the better prospect? You know, Ron, it's kind of hard to evaluate talent this early or who's going to do what. Uh, both of them are a no-brainer. Uh, if you're the coach, I, I think they like Andrew Luck a little bit better because he fits more to their system, their style of play, uh, you know, to keep basically the same standards as Manning had, the same type of player. And uh, Washington is really a no-brainer. You know, uh, people in Washington, D.C. are already wearing his jersey. So, you know, after coming off a 5-11 and 11 record and only averaging 25 points a game, they could use somebody like Robert Griffin III. I think you're right about that. But, I, you know, the, when I look at both of these quarterbacks, you can, you can easily say 1A and 1B either one of these right, guys. You know, right. but if I, I agree put with my, that. if I had to put my eyeball test on it, you know, I think Andrew Luck has got this pocket, pocket passer uh, presence to him. But RG3 to me is a better thrower. I mean, the balls I've seen him throw deep and the way I've seen him stay in the pocket and throw the ball, he may be the better thrower out of the two. Now, not just that, but he's got a much better athleticism to him. I mean, he can run, he's, he's got track speed, he's got world-class uh, Olympic speed to go along with a uh, a big arm. To me, I think that the upside, the upside potential is a lot greater for RG3 than Andrew Luck. Does that mean Andrew Luck's going to be a bad pick? Not at all. He'll be very, very good in the NFL, but I think RG3, if he can really find the right coaching staff, the right scheme, his upside's a lot greater than Andrew Luck. And I think it's a lot more pressure on Andrew Luck uh, simply by the fact that he is taking over for Painting Manning. Uh, expected, you know, people expect a lot out of him. Uh, they're coming off of, what, 2-14 and 14 season, whereas Washington was like 5-11. and 11. And uh, anything Washington got would be an improvement of what they had. So I think the pressure is on Andrew Luck to produce faster, He'll probably start sooner. And uh, Robert Griffin is in a really a better place. But you know, they always say they spend money. But they always say you want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced the guy, you know. Right. You want to be kind of one quarterback removed. So with all that pressure, Andrew Luck is going to be under. I mean, he's under that pressure right now. The GM has already said he's taking Andrew Luck number one. So with all that pressure to perform, I mean – that's hard for anybody to deal with, right? You know, right. Especially a rookie in the league. So you know, when you look at him and the way he's got to do, I mean, that's that's a lot to ask for anybody to take on, especially replacing Peyton Manning. And you're absolutely right. But uh, they say he's played that style of football most of his life, the West Coast. So he does know how it's run. But you know, it's it's, it's hard to predict now what he's going to do, and. Uh, they're going to need help. They're going to need guys to block for him. He's going to have somebody to throw the ball to. So Andrew Luck is just not going to be the answer to the coach. They need more than just Andrew Luck. They need a lot of luck. Yeah, they need a lot of luck. I think it starts, of course, with 
replacing their quarterback. Let me give you my rundown of the top ten because I got a big surprise in my top ten. I got Andrew Luck going to the coast, number one. Robert Griffin the third, number two to the Washington Redskins. And at number three is my first big, real big surprise in the draft. I've got the Minnesota Vikings at number three taking uh, Justin Blackman, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. I know a lot of people think they're going to take Matt Khalil, which they probably, I mean, can't go wrong by taking him. But I think the Vikings want some type of home run wide receiver. They got Percy Harvin, who has been great for them, but they need to kind of shore that thing up. And I think the Vikings, you know, they 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 just seem like they're going to be the one to make the splash to me. And I'm gonna go with Justin Blackman to get uh, to get the third slot. I've got Trent Richardson going for uh, number okay, four. Okay, okay, Rodney, Rodney, let's do this. Let's just go down the list. We'll start with number one. You you tell me who you pick and why, and I will tell you who I picked and why. Well, I've already go. I've already got the first three. So what are your three? Oh, okay, Andrew Luck. We agree on that. Robert Griffin the third. And my third pick for Minnesota is offensive tackle Matt Correa. That's who I have him going at number three because the defense ranked 31st. They, they, I think they're going to – and the offense wasn't much better. They ranked 19th. I think they're going to go with somebody to uh, to shoot up that offensive line. I think it's an easy pick to make. I just think they're going to go with a playmaker. Right. I think, you know, I know Justin Blackman is not – to me, he's not Dez Bryant. I think Dez Bryant's a better talent. I was a Dez right. played like right. a better talent. That's a whole another ball game. But I think he's a I think he's a good enough explosive type player that the Minnesota Vikings fans would be okay with having. And let's keep in mind they've got to figure out some kind of way to put some firepower on the field so they can save this franchise from not moving to L.A. You know, if they're going to get a deal done in the Sioux Stadium, they're going to be moving to L.A., and I think they got to have somebody that electrifies that audience enough to be a big playmaker to kind of get the get the whole community back behind the Minnesota Vikings and them staying in Minnesota. So yeah, I think, but, you know, I, you the, know, the, the uh, sexier pick is the wide receiver over the, over the offensive lineman. Okay. Uh, granted, they didn't get a new stadium uh, coming off a of 3-13 and 13 season. I think they need they they need to show up an offensive line for whoever they have quarterback. You, you can't have a, a a great wide receiver if nobody's protecting the quarterback. That's my opinion. So we you know we we did on that one. Well, number four for the Cleveland Browns, I got Trent Richardson going. I'm not high on taking running backs, you know this you know this high in the draft, but Cleveland I think has made no mistake about it. That's who they want. They want some type of running game established, and he's the best running back on the board. So I got Trent Richardson going number four. We we agree on that. I I, I think he's the best offensive player in the draft. You know they were eight and zero at home and four and four on the road in the four and twelve season. Uh, man, they they need a good running back. If you look at number five, that's where I have Matt Khalil going to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I got him at five. Who'd you get it? Who you get at five? Uh, Tampa Bay was four twelve last year. Uh, rush defense was ranked twenty thirty two. Pass defense was ranked in the twenties. I, I think they go get uh, Morris Claiborne, cornerback. Yeah, the cornerback out of LSU. Yeah, he, he, he's right. a pretty much pure five thing. You know, I, I was I was struggling with that pick for Tampa Bay because. 
you know, Keith Tlaib is going to jail. We all know that. And right. one day Barber is getting pretty long in the tooth, too. So right. they do have to right. kind of show up that secondary. And, 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 but I think I think they can't pass on Khalil in my draft because he's still available at five, you know. Right. And, you know, he may, he might not be there. Yeah, uh, right. Somebody could be there. If he's not there, I think they'd be better off going with a cornerback. Now I've got Morris uh, Claiborne uh, going number six to the St. Louis Rams, and uh, you know if if Justin Blackman's still available, they'll take care of no doubt. Uh, yeah, I, I think Justin Blackman. They they needed wide receiver kit for Matthew Stafford. That was one of their problems. They already you mean have for, a uh, you mean back. for uh, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford, and uh, they already got a great running back. And they just need a wide receiver, so I, I picked Justin Blackman. At number seven, um, I've got Jacksonville, and they've been trying to trade out of this spot for the last month, it <laughs> seems like. i got them trading with Philadelphia, Philadelphia moving up because they're really in love with this guy by the name of Fletcher Cox, a defensive end. So I've got him going uh, seven to Philadelphia on the trade with Jacksonville. Fletcher Cox. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We agree on that. Uh, they do need a defense attack, no problem. So we do agree on number seven. At number eight, with Miami Dolphins, I've got Ryan Tannehill. Unfortunately, I, and, and let's talk about Tannehill for a second. Me and you have seen him play. You know, this guy was a wide receiver. Couldn't beat out uh, the couldn't beat out the incumbent quarterback at wide receiver. So he played wide receiver. Once he left, he got his shot to go ahead and uh, become a quarterback. Now, he he really has some bad, bad decision-making. I've been watching him in that combo game, throwing picks and not making good decisions. And I'm surprised that he's been pushed up so high. But I think I guess since the Dolphins went ahead and went with Mike Sherman as the offensive coordinator, at least they're going to trust him to make this pick, I guess. that That's the reason why I have him going to Miami. You know, uh, we did question his skills, but you said a key word. He has a great offensive coordinator in Mike Sherman. If anybody can make this guy to a quarterback, it's Mike Sherman. Yeah, but Mike Sherman didn't do that when he was the head coach of Texas A&M. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that, you know, that's my thing. Rodney, uh, they played together. I think he can t- develop the guy better than anybody else. And besides, uh, Miami was a big disappointment. Six and ten, uh, a lot of things are wrong with that team. And why not get somebody that maybe could be a future? Yeah, but if you draft him at number eight, doesn't he have to start this season? Uh, more than likely, he will start. I think he will start. So, I mean, you picked him at number eight. Yeah, right. because I just I I think this is going to be the one decision that really kind of makes or breaks Mike Sherman with the Miami right. Dolphins. Right. Well, it's going to be that one that one pick that they're going to keep holding over his head, and you know, especially if it goes if it goes wrong. Well, and it could go the other way. We could be absolutely wrong. He could turn out to be a great quarterback. The guy has potential. Uh, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, you know, Miami, Miami's in back 6 and 10 last year. Uh, they need help all over the place. 
Yeah, they also need a wide receiver too. You know, which right. which that could happen. I think they're gonna pick up one in later rounds. But in second round, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. At number nine, I've got Melvin Ingram going to the Carolina Panthers. The defensive end from South Carolina. Yeah, this guy's a good player, and I think that you know Carolina can use a pass rusher. They need defensive help to kind of help counterbalance what Cam Newton's able to do because Cam can score with the offense that he has. He can use some weapons, but they got to show up that defense first of all. Well, you know, I I I, I can see that Cam Newton did revive this franchise. They could use a wide receiver or a good tight end to complement him, but I think they're gonna go. Like you said, their biggest problem is not on offense, it's on defense. I think they go with this guy, Luke Cleakley, the linebacker. Uh, they, you know, they also need a good safety, safety help. But I think they, I think they, they pick a defensive player. You're looking at Luke uh, Kuchla, uh, the Luke. inside line, right, right. But number ten, I've got Stephen uh, Gilmore going to the Buffalo Bills now. Gilmore's an interesting case. He actually has been moving up draft boards, you know, as of late. And a lot of people feel like he's got some real hidden talent in there to be a shutdown corner. The Bills are trying to show up that defense. They brought in Mario Williams as a pass rusher, so I think they go to secondary help at the 10th pick. Uh, yeah, I had him slash Melvin Ingram defensive end. Uh Wow, just to kind of—I mean, you know—they went and got Tebow. I, I don't know what they were doing there. It's kind of hard to pick. Okay, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna go with your pick. You I, mean the, I Buffalo, think I go with the Buffalo Bills, right? Buffalo Bills, right? I'm gonna go with your pick. Well, again, I, that's that's fact, I, that's fact, I'm sorry. I, I think the Buffalo Bills uh, are gonna make the playoffs this year. Yeah, you so, sure uh, about that? Yeah, are you sure yeah, you're ready to put the NFL predictions? I'm, I'm, I'm saying they go to the playoffs, but I still think they go with a defensive end to show up that defense. Okay, you know well, we're gonna find out on Thursday. All they could turn around and you know they were 22nd in the in, in rushing, so they do have a great running back, but uh, I, I think they do some on defense. The offense is okay. Well, just just for the sake of all of our listeners right here in the local Metroplex in Dallas, we got to talk about their draft, and they took it 14. Now, I've, I've, I wrote on, my web, on the website that I'm a huge Cowboy fan. I want them to get Mark Barron from Alabama, the safety from Alabama. If he's available, I think they'll take him. But I hope they draft nothing but defensive players the entire draft. Nothing but defense is what they need to draft. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Definitely, that was the weakest part of uh, the Cowboy organization last year was defense. Uh, but they do need help in the back. They need a safety. They need a cornerback. And uh, if Mark's available, I think they take him. But if not, who else do you think they go for? I think he will be available. Well, they're in love with Mark Barron, number one. And then, of course, they, they got their eyes set on uh Terry Poe uh, from Memphis as a defensive right. end. I think they'll draft for safety. They'll draft for defensive tackle slash defensive end kind of position. They'll look at some cornerbacks in later rounds. Well, I, I just hope they go out defense. I really do. But, now, but it's quite possible. If, if Mark, listen, if Mark's available, 
you have to take him if you're the Cowboys. Yeah, you have to take him. You have to take him. I mean, they'll take him. If he's, he's, if he's there, don't make a mistake, they'll take him. But the other question about it is there, there's speculation that the Patriots may try to trade up. If they could trade with Jacksonville, they may do that too, try to trade up to get Mark Barron before the Cowboys do because he's just that good of a safety. And I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen him do this before. They have numerous number one draft picks, so uh, first round draft picks. So I think anybody would almost make that trade with them, and they could sneak up there and get it. But if he's still there at 14, uh, if the Cowboys don't take it, I won't watch any Cowboy football game this year. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now to see the rest of my mock draft, and that we'll also post our Royce's mock draft. On the website as well, just go to rfsportsradio.com. Remember to follow us on Twitter, especially on Thursday when we'll be tweeting, tweeting about the draft, but also we'll be live in Atlanta, Georgia, for the Mavericks' last game of the season. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. If you want our show to appear on your website, it's very easy to do. Send us an email to rfsportsradio at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely thank you guys for joining us for this particular episode. And again, uh, we will see you guys later on in the week. Make sure you log on the website rfsportsradio dot com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.